Hello everybody and welcome to the Venture Oasis. It's Monday 29th of June 2020 and I am Khaldun Tabaza, your host and this podcast is brought to you by Imina Group, an investment company made up of company builders and venture capitalists with founders attitude and investors mindset. Around 20 years ago, during the days of Arabia.com, widely known as the first venture-backed online business in the MENA region, I received a call from a very fine young man from Cairo who wanted to invest in the business. Two years later, in the summer of 2001, I find myself in Cairo plotting with him the setup of what is likely the first regionally incorporated and regulated venture capital fund known as Developers, and more formally known as the Technology Development Fund. Today I have the pleasure of hosting from beloved Cairo my friend and one of the people who influenced the internet industry in our region at a very early time, Hani Sumbati. Hani is currently co-founder and partner at Sawari Ventures an Egypt-focused venture capital fund and Flat Six Labs, a regional startup accelerator. We can probably talk for hours, but in the hour or so that we have, we will try to touch a bit on the early beginnings of the internet industry in our region, what he's doing now at Sawari Ventures, and what he sees ahead for the online industry in Egypt and the region. Hani, welcome to the Venture Oasis, my friend. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. You're, it's been that long since we first met. It, I remember it. it was around 99 or 2000 on the side uh, of the MIT and an MIT conference at the Conrad Hotel. And we had our first meeting in the then known Nile Hilton. And I remember I, that meeting kind of changed uh, a lot of my thinking. So, yeah. And we've Listen. been buddies ever since. <laughs> Absolutely. So great to see you, buddy. Uh, and the, uh, for people who don't know uh, about about Sawari Ventures, you've got you two three minutes to give your promo about Sawari and Flat Six Labs. What you're doing now before we go back to the future? <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, well, uh, myself and uh, Elfie uh, Ahmed Elfie, we founded Sawari Ventures in the 2010 in its current iteration. Uh, you were involved in previous iterations of uh, a similar venture with Elfie, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, so again, you know, we, in its current iteration, myself, Elfie, and Wael, we set up a venture capital fund to invest in uh, Egypt uh, and North Africa, mainly Morocco and Tunisia. And our sweet spot is investing in growth stage companies, investing around a million uh, upwards in companies in those three countries. We have a great host of uh, LPs, uh, DFIs, CDC, DGGF, European Investment Bank, and Proparco. And in Egypt, we have all the public sector uh, institutions. We've banged on the table for long enough that they finally came to the game. Uh, Mr. Insurance Bank, Mr. National Bank of Egypt, Suez Canal Bank, and uh, uh, Bank to Care. In addition, we have the Egyptian arm of the Kuwait Investment Authority with us. So we have a great set of uh, investors. And uh, our aim with Sawari Ventures is to invest in growth stage companies, in knowledge-based uh, high-growth companies in Egypt, Morocco, and Tunisia. Uh, 
Simultaneously, we also created uh, Flat6 Labs, which is, as you mentioned, is an accelerator, but we've evolved. We're no longer just an accelerator. Flat6 Labs is in itself uh, what we call now a seed stage investor. We can run programs with some of our funds. We've operated in Saudi, UAE, Tunisia, uh, Cairo, Bahrain, and uh, Beirut, and uh, we're going to expand our UAE and uh, Saudi Arabian uh, operations this year, and also in Bahrain. And we may launch, uh, we're probably going to launch in a city of your residence very, very soon. We're going to keep that thing open, right? We're going to keep that open. So uh, Flat6 Labs' mission is to invest in the seed level. Uh, but across the Arab world, uh, to paraphrase the old uh, saying, so we have all the big cities covered. The last pin we're going to do, hopefully within the next 18 months, will be Casablanca itself. And our ethos in Sawari Ventures and uh, Plastic Labs is very simple. Let no good company go unfunded. We want to be able to be in a position or create a platform to fund all the good companies coming out of this region from seed through growth, giving giving them each the, the best value add as they grow. Uh, and that's why we split the business into seed and growth, because we think at the seed level, you require a different kind of uh, touch, a different kind of uh, methodology than you have at the growth and uh, at the growth level. And it's been a Doing this with Elfiwe, Eldina, and Ramos has been like, uh, uh, these are my colleagues in both Flat6 Labs and partners in Flat6 Labs and uh, Sawari Ventures, has been probably uh, the most satisfying thing I've ever done, other than, you know, starting my own family. It's been an amazing ride. It's been an amazing ride in the last decade. Uh, and I mean, we can talk about the changes, but by God, everything we dreamt of, 20 years ago in, in, that, uh, in the Nile Hilton is coming to fruition with a bang. This is, this is amazing, Hani. But you've been doing this way longer and way before Sawari. So uh, when, uh, when I came to Cairo 2000, in the year 2001, you already had an amazing portfolio. Now, if we look at the industry today, for example, you know, one of the biggest success uh, business models in this part of the world today are, you know, uh, property classifieds uh, portals, you know, the likes of Bayut and Property Finder and, you know, yeah. we've invested in JustProperty.com and Akarmap and Akar and whatever. In the year 2000, you guys had Idar in Cairo, which was a property portal. One of the you know biggest successes has been uh, recruitment marketplaces or job boards. You know, at that time you had you know Career Mid East. Uh, you know some yes. of the business models today: entertainment and music. We had Mazika, or you had, had Mazika at that time, and uh, and and you know it it goes even even beyond that. So let's let's remember a bit, not many people, you know, probably today, many of the people who are in the industry, whether they're founders or investors, you know, never heard about those days. So tell me how that started. So that goes, you know, 
before ID developers, one step before ID developers, you know, a firm called CIIC, which had yes. amazingly beautiful offices overlooking the Nile All in Cairo. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, um, so tell me, tell me how that started and talk to me about, about that portfolio. Okay, that's, uh, you're bringing back some, some memories. So it, uh, it was very mundane. I, I'm an engineer by, uh, by education. Today I'm wearing my Imperial College uh, t-shirt. I came back to Egypt in 94, 95, after I did my undergrad and master's, and there were no good engineering jobs. So I then made a switch to finance. There was this up-and-coming... Uh, private equity investment bank in Egypt, uh, which was a spin-off from uh, CIB, it was called Commercial International Investment Company. And uh, I started working there. And I started working as an analyst in the private equity division. And uh, I started in 97, I did tourism, I did lots of real estate uh, portfolio, working my way up. And then in 99, the there was uh, the complete deregulation of the telecom industry in, in Egypt. Uh, start setting up MCIT and setting up uh, the you know, Telecom Egypt as a company and doing all sorts of wonderful things. That is a big bang for telecoms and telecoms uh, investments. There I had a French chief investment officer. He said, okay, you know, I'll pay for your first four or five mistakes. Go out and learn. This is a young man's game. There's this thing called the internet that's going to take over the world. Go out and do your thing. And myself and my colleagues, we went out and we, we uh, to, to, to say we learned from first principles is an understatement. We went out, uh, we literally talked to everyone who was doing anything in that space. And we came up with uh, the formulation that, uh, yeah, let's start doing some investments. Putting, uh, at the time, like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars here and there, and seeing where that goes, and we created uh, the portfolio you mentioned. I mean, obviously there are lots of layers to the story, and funds and re corporate reorganizations, which will, which will spare the audience. But essentially, we went and found the the best entrepreneurs and the toughest entrepreneurs, and that's uh, and that was basically how how it all started. Uh, the Every single one of them, uh, whether it's Masrawi, which was the first portal, or Otlop, the first uh, on online ordering, or Mazika, the first uh, digital download. Uh, and we actually signed the first uh, digital rights agreement with, one of, with some of the, st uh, the studios in the early 2000s. All of these were precursors for what became the, the right business models. We were there early, it was fun. I think in some respects, the people that came after us uh, in those businesses made more money. But uh, I learned something about uh, entrepreneurship in general and the internet in specific, doing those, uh, doing those deals. And after that, we thought it was time to institutionalize it rather than running it out of uh, a general fund, all of these monies were invested from a general private equity fund. We wanted to create a specific venture capital asset class and that's when we did uh, iDevelopers and that's when you came on board. 
and you're, I mean, you're credited with choosing the name iDevelopers. Yeah, you were there when we chose the name iDevelopers. You got all the PR agencies in, in town. <laughs> and we, we, I remember that that's one of the lessons I learned, you know, before we did anything. What's our brand? What's our messaging? It has to, it had to be part of, parcel of everything. That's one, that's one of the biggest lessons I learned from you. I remember at the time we were, we hadn't even hit 30 yet. We were in our late twenties, uh, thereabouts. And uh, it was basically, uh, you called it, it was the Wild West, it was a land grab in certain respects. And uh, I was lucky enough to have some wonderful people to pioneer the, uh, the prairies with at the time. That's amazing, honey. And uh, I also remember a meeting, you know, I'll never forget that meeting. And that was probably, you know, one of the first exits uh, that were made in, uh, you know, in this part ah. of the world, in the internet industry. Uh, you know, may, may his soul rest in peace, you know, Khalid Shara, Allah You know, when, when we met together, me, you and him at Abu Seed in Cairo, and during that yes. meeting, we sealed a deal of selling him yes. uh, a group of startups that CWIC has invested in. Uh, yeah, now, now I'm going to go to tears because uh, Khalid was, uh, was a special person. He, he created uh, a wonderful company. And at the time, we had uh, pooled all of our uh, then-called then dot-coms into one holding company, which we called Next Media, right? Uh, and Khalid had the largest ISP, and they, they wanted to merge the connectivity with the content. And... We, we did, in my opinion, uh, still in my books, one of the most complex but most satisfying deals I've ever done because like the properties we sold in the companies, we aggregated. It wasn't easy to aggregate and streamline across five or six properties, across multiple stakeholders, multiple funds that owned them, and then create one structure and then sell it to someone else who takes it forward. Uh, that's one of the most satisfying uh, things. But Khalid was a visionary, and we had created a wonderful set of assets. We had uh, run them very frugally. Uh, this was at the end of the dot-com bubble bursting in 2001. Our companies were still growing. They were still, uh, they were still hitting their KPIs, and uh, we found them a great home uh, with, uh, with Khalid and Link.net and, and, and Link at the time. And they still survived. I mean, the, the, the assets that were sold, the cornerstone of that, he went on to build, uh, 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 to build Connect Ads, uh, their advertising agency on it, and they still exist in some form in A15 uh, after everything is said and done. And that was like 2002. So it, it was a pretty good deal for everyone. And it actually solidified uh, the internet in the wilderness years. People forget that between 2001 to 2005 with the Google IPO and the rise of social media, there was, there was a complete abandonment of uh, the digital uh, world in, in terms of investments in this part of the world. Everybody had thought it was a failed experiment. It was never going to grow. For, so for us to have kept the dream alive and to give them a home 
and to have them grow and to actually shape what what was to come was I think is a is a great achievement for everyone around and Absolutely. and you were there it it was Abu Seed <laughs> so it was it was it, it was Abu Seed and uh, yes, and Abusid it, and it, it, I, I, it was Molchia and Mumbag right I I and I think and I think it was Ramadan right yes Khalid never let these things stop him. Actually, I have to tell you, uh, to close the deal, uh, he actually, in one of the meetings after that, this was Ramadan, and to close the deal, uh, uh, and at the time, uh, Christmas, Coptic Christmas, wasn't a public holiday in Egypt. He actually came on January 7th to our building to talk to my boss to finalize bits and pieces of the deal. He was relentless. Uh, God bless his soul. He never, he always did what was right. For the business, and we're all we're all poorer for not having him in in the digital world. He, I think he would ha- he had a, he had a lot to offer. But as I said, the and 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 people people ask me the difference between the uh, the entrepreneurs like 20 years ago and the entrepreneurs now. Uh, the younger kids are more fearless, right? They're they're more fearless, uh, but the older generation is is grittier. That's 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 the way I, I, I you know we had to we had to scrap of very little of the of you know uh, of very very little. I remember in every single company we had we had to figure out how to make payroll for a few months and and just the simple the simplest thing. And I, I always come back to the story of Khaldun. So w- when we did Masrawi, uh, Masrawi is uh, you know. Like Yahoo or content, we had to sell ads, right? This is the year 2000. We wanted someone to go and sell digital ads. It's a job that had never, ever, ever been done before. Nobody in Egypt in 6,000 years of history had gone to a client and said, "I want to sell an ad on a digital platform," right? Now, right. You, now, now you have you have thousands and thousands of people who do this for a living, right? Who know the industry inside out. These sorts of challenges of trying to figure out. What is the best practice? What are the you know uh, best practices? What is the best way to talk to a client? So on and so forth. And that's what I call my friend the multiplier effect. You know, I think you know that that specific node, which had you know Arabia.com, uh, the Arabia.com investors, uh, what you were doing at CWIC. In addition to that. Uh, 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 what comes to mind is the Jordan Technology Fund, which was run by Hassan Al-Khatib, which uh, EFG, yeah. which which invested also in uh, in Maktoub and a number of internet businesses in Jordan, and that what we did as as idea developers, and if you trace basically both, you know, the team that was there, you know, um, uh, you Walid Ahmed Gumaa. Sergey and others, the founders that we've worked with, the co-investors that we've worked with, and the node that you know, Khalid started in the industry. You can trace a lot of the developments in the internet industry across the region to those you know bunch of people between nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety seven. To 2002, because that that group that group of people came back, you know, 
and built more businesses even during the time when the internet was not very popular and then came back later you know started fund and built bigger businesses and probably you know the number of companies that were either i mean you alone in flat six labs probably you, know, you have an offspring of hundreds of companies that are out there yeah, now and whether whether the, the yeah <laughs> exactly and whether yeah. whether whether the founders succeed in their first business or they go on you know to start a second business and they succeed in their second or third business there's credit that goes you know to to funding and supporting the first business to so to all of those people that we've worked with to all of the you know people who we invested with to all of the founders we worked with you know a big hi because you know those were the people who built the seeds of the internet industry in this part of the world. If I was wearing a hat, I would tip it off to everyone I've ever crossed paths with or ever invested with, even the ones that didn't succeed, because they were part uh, of lifting up or carrying the, an, a whole industry. Uh, and they gave it up to the, uh, to the next generation. And, and, to say, and to talk about focal points, as, as you mentioned, uh, I think Endeavor, did a, a study a few years ago about the links between companies and uh, uh, IT Works uh, and people who worked in IT Works. IT Works was a CWIC investment. That's how I got to know uh, yes. where Ellen Yusri, right? 200 people from there went on to start companies, uh, so 200 companies. If you look at the people who worked in link.net, uh, a similar amount. So, so there were clusters and we were fortunate enough, right? We are fortunate enough to have been part of that. The question is, and, and the question for me and you and for people of our generation is how to remain relevant as this thing grows and becomes bigger than anybody had anticipated with multiple lives, multiple variations. And that's the exciting part. And that's what keeps me up. And I presume we were having a discussion last week about what next, right? We're not going to sit here and, and, and talk about... Uh, what we did 20 years ago is like, yeah, what are we doing in the next 20 years, right? And Absolutely. I think that's, that's, part of the, that's part of the conversation. That's the most interesting part for me because, you know, as I said, you know, Anna Winter, uh, we are in the preface of the book, right? You know, like the book and then maybe we're in part of chapter one. I'd like to be part of chapter two and then make sure that the book Absolutely. is continuous without us because, you know, but it, it, it's looking good. It's looking Absolutely. very good. Absolutely. In terms, of, uh, in, in terms of the sustainability of the industry that we're in, it, it's looking pretty good. There are, I never thought we'd have that depth of capital. I mean, all of this is pre, pre-corona, and corona is just going to be a transient issue. But uh, uh, venture-backed businesses are going to be a much bigger part of the investment landscape. Everybody's going to have to have, all LPs have to have a venture. It, it's going to be a much bigger part. It is going to be the economy. Once it's digitized, uh, big parts of it, it is going to be the economy. It's going to take a bigger, bigger part, not just here, but everywhere in the world. And we, you know, as I said, what next is the, is the so, question that keeps me up at night. So, Hani, when, uh, uh, when, uh, when we did idea developers, and I'll move on, but you know, I just want to recall some of the points that we wrote in the investment thesis, you know, for the fund wow. that, that that we did then. And you know, one of the things that we said, I remember, is that you know, we said that 
Egypt is going to be at the heart of the content industry in the Arab world. You know, it's the Hollywood of the Arab world in the traditional entertainment and content industry. And it's poised to basically take its place, you know, in, in the... In, in the online industry through the production of content and, you know, basically to dominate that part. We also said, you know, that, uh, you know, it's, it's the largest Arab country in terms of population, which makes yeah. it, you know, a very large market and which means that it's producing a lot of talent, you know, engineering talent as well as, you know, uh, uh, other types of talent, media talent, creative talent. Uh, we also talked about, you know, um, the role that it can play in terms of connecting, you know, the GCC countries with the rest of the markets, you know, mm -hmm. westward, and you're already operating in some of those countries through Flat Six Labs. So it's just not just talk, but you're actually funding and looking at companies there. And during that time, we had, you know, some amazing deal flow. I think, you know, a lot of the companies were ahead of their times, etc., etc. But then, you know, there comes this time between probably, you know, 2004, 2005, and, you know, up until maybe 2016, where the number of deals, number of deal mm -hmm. flow and investments and the big success stories. I mean, Khaled was doing wonderful job, uh, you know, um, maybe algebra was started, TDF was continuing to develop, but you know, the, the, the number of big investments or big deals or big exits that came from Egypt during that time wasn't that much. Now, something that I told you last week is that I feel today, you know, when looking at, at, at my pipeline at, and at the deal flow that I'm seeing in the market, I feel that the most exciting deal flow is coming from Egypt. You know, companies that are targeting regional markets as well as businesses that I'm looking at which have global ambitions and, you know, which are going globally. And, you know, this is probably, you know, I haven't seen better deal flow during all of yeah, my career. I agree. So, Talk to me. Talk to me about about your thesis. You know, when uh, when you raised when you raised money for Sawari, when you're looking for companies in you know to invest in, what is your thesis? What are you looking at? How do you view Egypt as a market and the deal flow that's coming from there? And you know, um, as uh, I don't know if you wanna you know talk a bit about you know your view about you know those lost years. Or you want to jump straight into into the into the pipeline now? Uh, you know, it's it's up to you. No, I, the thesis. Okay, the thesis ha, the thesis has always been that there is a major funding gap uh, between the opportunities available and the money that's available. And it's not just the amount of money that's available; it is also the depth of money, right, and at the stages. So it's no, it's no good having one mega fund, right? Uh, when you don't have a depth at the seed, the depth at the growth, and the depth, depth at, uh, you know, beyond growth, you need to have a, a deep uh, capital base across the... Th and that was something that was not present in Egypt. It could have been more present in 
the likes of uh, the Gulf at the time because they have excess liquidity and they're generally they have larger financial institutions and higher and a greater degree of percentage of high net worth individuals. So our thesis has always been the talent is there just across and then there's a mismatch between available t between talent and capital and that's where we come in with uh, Sawari Ventures and we come in at the two stages between this and flat six labs to cover the seed and to cover the, the growth. And throughout that time, more and more funds uh, in the Gulf and from other parts of the world have started to look at Egypt. So you, we're getting the depth as well. So we have the mounts and the depth. And, and these things take time to build. When you look at uh, uh, the attractiveness of Egypt, it was, in terms of venture capital, it was a frontier market. Now it's becoming moving towards becoming at the center, rightfully so. And, and that takes time. And if you factor in uh, the political turmoil that accompanied uh, the Arab Spring, then, it, you know, yeah, 2000, and, you know, you spend 10 years banging on desks for people to see how the opportunity. But it's okay. What's gone is gone. We're here now. And people see it. And you see it. And... Uh, you know, this chicken and egg between talent and capital is at a state where it's perpetual now that we're getting uh, more and more uh, companies started, more and more people thinking, believing that there's going to be capital available. And therefore, even if the capital isn't really there, they're actually taking the first step. So that's why you're seeing that, that greater deal flow, because the entrepreneurs themselves are taking uh, a greater risk. There's simply more entrepreneurs. And that means there'll be more capital needed and so on and so forth. So we're going into this virtuous cycle and hopefully it continues. And I don't think COVID's going to break it because the, the fundamentals of it, right, are just unstoppable. So that thesis is going to continue for the foreseeable future, the mismatch between the capital and the talent. Uh, the actual specifics of what we're investing in, whether it's content, whether it's uh, telemedicine, whether it's education, for me, these are secondary things. These things uh, uh, happen in waves and stages, and it is. I'm, I'm, I was never one to predict, uh, not predict. I was never one to actually uh, try to get a crystal ball out and predict everything that's going to happen because I think it's futile. You and me sitting in 2001, 2002, we've seen. Uh, the implosion of social networks, whether like in MySpace, well, had the Masra, we had uh, had a social network called Ashabi that mm. didn't <laughs> that didn't that didn't do it. Nobody, you know, all of these things, and all of a sudden, Facebook does something different, and it happens. When you talk about distribution, right? Nobody saw YouTube coming as a as a distribution channel. So I I always say, right, you know. You can try to predict as much as you can, right? But keep the basics, stick to what you do best as, as venture capitalists, know what's out there, and you will see the emerging new talent as they come. Keep, you know, as they say, keep, keep your ear to the floor. That's why it's very, it's very important to have something like uh, Flat Six Labs in the sense that you, 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 get, you get hundreds of applications so you know what people are, what the entrepreneurs are thinking. You have this this one eye on the future. So if you know if people, if people are, are thinking that way, 
So there could be something there. And two or three years down the line, uh, you're going to see uh, an industry emerge from that. So what are, what are, so honey, what are the what are the biggest startups in Egypt today? Swivel is one of them, right? Yes. Uh, um, well, Help me, I, I actually, help me, help me basically recall because, because I want to talk, I want to, I want to dig a bit further, you know, uh, to, to, to try and give people who are looking at Egypt as a market from the outside, you know, um, uh, some of the challenges and some of the opportunities and maybe, you know, make it a bit less mystique. Because in all honesty, it is, you know, people are asking questions like, you know, um, can, I, uh, can I start a company in Egypt in a matter of days or weeks? Or will it take me months or months? Do I have very clear, you know, tax and regulatory, uh, you know, basically policies and, uh, and systems that I can adhere to? Do I need to register my company offshore uh, it, can i protect my ip you know if i develop stuff in egypt uh, is there still currency risk uh, you know will i be able to command the pricing power you know uh, and uh, be able to generate significant revenue so those are all questions you know that uh, that come to one's mind uh, they come after the excitement because i must say you know um, hands down some of the best entrepreneurs in crafting and presenting their deals, very creative, which I think is natural, you know, people with a lot of grit, you know, extremely hard worker, hard workers and great technical talent. But, you know, when it comes later, like, you know, uh, how long will it take for me to get to a million dollars of revenue? Uh, you know, um, um, should I be worried about uh, basically you know, taxes or about labor law. Uh, what if I sell my company, you know, will I be able to get my capital gains tax-free or not? And, uh, you know, will I be welcomed as a, as a foreign investor in Egypt or should I just try to, you know, co-invest with Hani? So a lot of mystique still around this, but let's start by talking about, you know, like the winners today, the superheroes, of the internet industry in Egypt, who are, you know, if you talk about, you know, the superstars, the biggest startups that are there today, uh, who are they and how big are they? Well, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it from, 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 from the other side, right? Uh, uh, I don't think that there's a, a unicorn, right, in the Arab world. I mean, what uh, I mean, if you talk, if you look at Sue, if you look at Kareem, uh, uh, all of them, right? They they have to have a large, substantial business in Egypt, right? So when you say what's the largest Egyptian company, it's all of them. You cannot you cannot build a pan-Arab uh, successful internet business without being. Uh, number one or number two in your relative field in both Saudi Arabia and Egypt. So by definition, you're going to have to do business in Egypt. The question is, did the entrepreneur originate from Egypt? And more and more, they will be originating from Egypt. Or did they originate from the Gulf? And you know, the traditional thing is to sit in Dubai and go and invest in in Saudi Arabia and like on Egypt like Kareem did. And I think 
we haven't uh, we haven't uh, and that's that's a capital issue the entrepreneur and you know this better the entrepreneurs are where the capital is at right where the capital is so all companies all unicorns will have will have to work in egypt that's that's a given uh, now working in egypt is a lot easier than people think it is right and i've i've i've, I've worked in saudi I've worked in the UAE, I've worked in Bahrain, all of these countries. Every single thing you've mentioned uh, is easily doable, whether it's repatriation, whether it's setting up a company, whether it's labor laws. They're much more forgiving and much more lax than you would find in, in, in the GCC, for example. The banking system here is is much nimbler. So it's it was very difficult to open up. Uh, and you can see the Hub 71 and... Uh, and FAB now, it's very difficult to open up if you're a startup in, in the UAE, for example. In Egypt, in almost everything other than mining, you can have 100% foreign ownership. You don't get that in other parts of the Gulf. Uh, uh, or in the UAE, you have to be offshore. And the rules and regulations are pretty clear in lots of things. Uh, clearer than people think. So it's an, it's it's... It's a bit. It's a country that if you pay your dues, you will make a lot of money. And all, of, almost all of the, uh, and when I say pay your dues, is to make a commitment, to actually come and say we're going to do here, we're going to hire the people here, we're going to do this, this, and that here. It will pay off because the market eventually. I mean, the first million. It's easier. It's easier to get the first million in Saudi Arabia, right? Yeah. That or the or, or the UAE, but to get from fifty to a hundred, it's impossible to do it without each. So you're going to have to do it at some point of time. That's the way I see it. Now, in terms of Egyptian homegrown companies, you've mentioned Swivel. Uh, I mean, the ones I did, the, uh, the one we're doing now, uh, without that, without giving anything away, you have you have Swivel, right? You have uh, you have Visita, and you will have uh, and you had Ferry, which now got listed now worth 600 million. Uh, these all happened in the last few years, but what's more exciting for me are the things that are in the 10 or 20 million dollar valuation that are up and coming. And these are the things that I look in more, and there's much more excitement at that level. I, I think we'd be wrong to structure our, our business or our industry just looking for unicorns. I think there's that would be a mistake. I think there, you can only get unicorns if you have a healthy spread of... Uh, company sizes and therefore valuations and a proper value chain. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Swivel, has, Swivel has proved you can do it. And, but again, it, uh, a lot of the capital came from, from foreign, uh, from foreign uh, VCs. I think the next iteration, and, and you have to understand, this is American, right? You, 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 you're in Swivel, right? So. What yes, else? What what else are you in? Uh, some data thing, announced thing, because you don't have a website yet, so so it's mysterious. <laughs> oh, okay, now 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 you're you see because I, I, I didn't have you to guide me uh, to, to, to do the website before doing anything else. <laughs> you see, that's what I miss about you, Khaldun. The you, by the way, I. You know, guys, when Khaldun said, you know, he's, uh, you know, venture builders and entrepreneurial. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great entrepreneur in his own right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you that plug you. From, from the beginning. Right. Um, 
No, so I mean, let's take for example the one we just announced, Money Fellows, which is one that's Money very, fellows. very close, very, very close to my heart. So what else are you in? Okay, so we the investments we've made so far that we've announced, uh, El Mentor, and uh, Elves, and the last one we announced was Money Fellows. Uh, uh, now uh, Elves is. Uh, an AI-assisted concierge that lets you do anything anywhere. They're pretty good. So if you're ever in any trouble, just get into Elves. Uh, Almentor is probably the best in class in the Arab world in uh, this new emerging thing of further education. Uh, in the sense, they do the best. Uh, they do the best content. Again, with the, the content thing, they package and do the best content. Uh, from personalities, part masterclass, part Lydia, and uh, they just had a stellar month because of the Sanawiya Al-Amma of Mosque. Again, as COVID assisted, they they sprung into action. They had to do the last revisions for uh, our SATs or Sanawiya Al-Amma of Mosque, and they had more than 400,000 uh, people visiting them or to 400,000 sessions of people learning before the exams, uh, broke the, and, and they did that in record time. And the last one we announced was one that's been, uh, which, which I thought I'd never see live the day, when you talk about digitization. Uh, in the sense that uh, it's one that's close to my heart. I don't know if any of you know uh, the audience, the rotating savings and loans associations whereby peers, uh, each say we're going to pay a fixed amount per month and then they rotate in who collects the money. And that's very big in, in, in Egypt and the emerging markets, probably 100, 100 billion plus of Egyptian pounds are circulated in that thing amongst peers. You know, so you know, I save, I'm a bachelor, I want to get married, I save for nine months, I get it at the 10th month what I save every month and somebody who has his kids in school with me at work gets it the first month. Money Fellows digitizes the rotating savings and loans associations you have. And basically uh, a group of people come together. They say we will uh, each put in a pot uh, a certain amount every month and then they rotate who gets it uh, first and who gets it last. So the people who get it last were savers, the people who get it first were borrowers. And you match your, and like within a community, a family, you match your spending needs depending on that. It works and they, it's based on trust. Now, Money Fellows has managed to digitize it and to expand it beyond your circle of, uh, of known people. And they're doing a fantastic job of it so far. And I think that, Wonderful. and I think that that's like probably a hundred billion Egyptian pounds of circulation, uh, if not more at any given time for, for these Wonderful. MAE. Wonderful. Uh, and it took them four years to get to the point where they can scale because of the trust issues. Because you have to trust people you don't know and to fix the model and to sort it out with the regulators. And we've been monitoring them for the best part, as Solari Ventures, for the best part of two years. And we did it in conjunction with Partech, uh, French, African, VC fund. So, of course. So, the... You know, when you say the future, the future is this. The future is these entrepreneurs are coming out of the woodwork right now. They, ah. They're fearless. We're helping them 
from the from the get-go, depending on where you do it. And we're going to try to get them the best funding from Egypt or from abroad. And you're saying, and, and you're you're saying that you basically. Because, I mean, one way or the other, those guys at Money Fellows will be keeping uh, funds on behalf of others. So what you're saying is that, you know, uh, this is in the sandbox of the Central Bank of Egypt. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's basically been sort of clear that the Central Bank of Egypt is being progressive in encouraging and, uh, you know, innovation in fintech because... Obviously, you know, money fellows is, uh, is, you know, any way you look at it in, in any part of the world, it's, uh, you know, significant innovation in terms of fintech. It absolutely is. And what I'm telling you, without putting any specific labels on it, everything that money fellows has done, has done with the full oversight of the Central Bank of Egypt and uh, soon in full collaboration with the banking system in Egypt as well. So, you know, we're not going to go against the wind. Uh, but these things take time to build the trust, even on the regulatory side. And that's, you know, when I said, you've got to pay your dues. If you're going to come in and disrupt such a hundred billion uh, industry that has touch points with the regulator, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay your dues by communicating with the regulator, listening to them, understanding their concerns and tweaking the model in such a way that it's compliant as you scale. And that's what they've been doing for the past two years. And that's what we've been trying to help them. And we're at a point where now we can scale in conjunction with the, with the central bank and in conjunction with the, the banking industry in Egypt as a whole. So um, do, you, do you still feel that, you know, uh, valuations and cost of doing business is an advantage uh, for startups in Egypt and for VCs in Egypt? I mean, are you are you seeing and coming in at reasonable valuations? And would you say that, uh, you know, uh, basically sort of to, to get to a product market fit, uh, would it cost less to build a company in Egypt today compared to building it in, in Riyadh or Dubai, for example? Well, I mean, like, to answer to your question, and I'm not going to, it's not a cop-out. In every single one of the questions you asked, it depends. But there are general rules. The general rule is to, to get the product up and running. It's cheaper to do it in Egypt than Dubai because the, ta the, the raw talent is, uh, sorry, to do it in Cairo than to do it in Dubai or Riyadh because the raw talent uh, here is, is cheaper. Uh, to get a product market fit, probably yes, in Egypt it is. Yeah, you can test certain things, but there are certain industries that are so much bigger in Saudi Arabia, you have to go test it there. So if anything related to consumer spending or gaming or you, you, you'd be crazy to, start to, you know, you can build it here, but you're going to have to go test it there. There is no, there's no substitute. You're going to have to go test it there, get the momentum there. And then, as I said, if you're going from 50 to $100 million, come back to Cairo. Uh, you cannot... As I said, the general rule is every every company is 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 is, is different, and I'll 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 go from our portfolio. Swivel, the market is in emerging markets. The initial market in emerging markets. So it's built here for here, uh, here Kenya, Nigeria's of the world. Maybe it goes to the Gulf at a later date. There's talks about that, but but you build it here and you do it here. For elves, it's cheaper to to run it out of Egypt because of the human cost but you're going to have to sell it uh, across, the, across the pond. Uh, 
the the same thing with uh, with uh, El Mentor. You have to. The production is here, but then the, the, a lot of the B two B clients are in Dubai or in the Gulf, right? So you're gonna have to split your business. Uh, there are no f hard fast rules, but I do think the future, and that's the beautiful future, beats anything. That you're gonna have to build unicorns or the big companies will have to have a combination of uh, Egypt, the Gulf, Africa, or North Africa at the future at future date. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying. We're trying to get the best out of every single, and it's difficult. It's not. It's not easy, right? So that's why it's important to have as many people with you as funders that can help you reach other parts that we don't necessarily have the, uh, you know, the foothold that we would okay. otherwise. Okay. Honey. But, but shoot. Yeah. But, but before, so, before you say this, yeah. there, are no, there are no hard and fast rules, right? If you want to build a regional company, you're going to have to get the best out of every regional company. But, but for, for, for our global audience, uh, you know, uh, how, much, how much does it cost to have, you know, a five, uh, an engineer with five years of experience, a really good engineer, you know, five years of experience, hire him for him to have a good life in Cairo and, you know, not, not to look around. What would you pay him in pounds or dollars? Just for people to get, you know, this in context. Thirty thousand uh, pounds, just under two thousand dollars, right? And uh, and uh, you'll you'll keep him for two or three years before your counterpart in Berlin. You know, you know what you're saying. A, a lot of the plastics labs people ended up in Germany. Yes, yes. <laughs> in, in, believe me. In, in the first, ended up in Ger ended up in Germany. But uh, yeah, it's the same. The same that happened in Amman. Which, right. which brings me to my other question. So, you know, in, in the early days, and maybe, you know, this is some of the things that happened between 2002, 2003, and 2010, is that, you know, there were a number of businesses in Egypt that were built for global market, like, you know, uh, the names miss my mind, but there was a chip design company, there was, you know... Yeah. Um, uh, our friend, you know, U3 built uh, a networking, uh, you know, data compression yes. company, and then he took it to, to the States, and it was a success there, etc. So, and, uh, you know, uh, if there is one, so let me put it this way. Now, there are number of countries in the MENA region where, you know, people basically, you know, uh, uh, looked beyond their local markets and tried to innovate and uh, and go global. And Egypt is in the forefront, but you know you see a lot of that also in Lebanon. You see some of that in Tunisia. You see some of that yeah. in Jordan, but to a less extent. Uh, uh, but you know, if you look at at size and population and ability to produce those, you know, globally groundbreaking startups, you probably, you know, have more chance in Egypt. And in addition to that, you know, there is, uh, you know, a vibrant Egyptian uh, expat, uh, you know, um, community in the Bay Area yeah. and, and in the East Coast 
that's there, that's willing to help, you know, those companies and invest in them. Do you, do you look for those? Do you see them? Uh, are they there? Is this, uh, is this still a valid thesis? And if, if, if yes, t t talk to me more about it. If no, then why? Uh, most definitely, yes. It's what, other, other than the, the market thesis in Egypt, which is big, and uh, we're, I, I keep forgetting how big Egypt is, and I only realize how big Egypt is as a market in terms of depth, population, spending power, and just raw numbers. When I go to other smaller countries, right, or when the people from, say, our colleagues from Tunis come to Cairo, and then they're just shocked by the sheer size of, of Cairo. Uh, yeah, so the other thing that gets me out of bed is finding that. I remember, and uh, and I will tell you this. When we were setting up uh, 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 the TDA, the TDA, or the ID developers together, I was in Istanbul, and I was having uh, dinner with uh, Ali Faramawi, which you know, whom you know very well. He's an amazing guy. No, you know, he, I mean, the, the, the role of the multinationals and all of this is, uh, we haven't spoken about it, but Microsoft and Ali was specifically uh, important in the digitization of everything. And he says, what do you want out of the, out of the ID, ID developers? I said, I want one global technology company, right? Yes. Out of that fund. And we got it. It was Cyware, right? Yes. And I, yes. Right? And, and, and we got it. It was Cyware, and the continuation of Cyware is very important to us. And, and with also with Yosri's company, uh, it's it called Swan Labs. It got acquired by F5. Uh, the VCs didn't help them that much. If they had Arab, if they had VCs that were closer to them, uh, they would have gotten a much better, uh, a much better exit, or built a better company. So those things, yeah, absolutely, right. And there is a big part of our portfolio, and our thinking, and I don't know what to call it. Some people call it deep tech. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. But things that can compete globally, from Egypt or from the Arab world at the technological level. Not necessarily as the business uh, model adaptations, because you know you can say Swivel did that. I mean, Swivel is really is the first of its kind. Swivel beat uh, Uber and Kareem into that business model. They had to they had to innovate their business around it. But talking about uh, real innovation at the at the core technology levels, yes, we look for that. Uh, I'm a frustrated engineer by by education. <laughs> I want. Right, I never worked as a, as an engineer and uh, as an electronic engineer, as a, uh, and I want people to be able to do that. And Cyware was one of them. There'll be others. We'll and you know, uh, and I reckon at least twenty to twenty-five percent of our portfolio will will be that, you know, at at, yes. at, at the end. And I, I presume a greater amount in, in the future fund because what we're battling against. And you know this are the biases is that uh, you know the and that and, and these are decreasing is 
when you raise money and you have to raise money and have to have uh, networks outside to be able to sell these products, the first question they ask is, uh, is uh, what are you doing? You know, uh, why Egypt? And a lot of, and, and, and the other thing is a lot of the Egyptians or a lot of the Arabs do it as U.S. citizens. So the one that comes to my mind, okay, is Rana and Affectiva, right? So yes. she's, she's Egyptian educated, Cambridge, MIT, she's doing Affectiva, it's an Egyptian brain, right? She, she, she was intelligent enough not to take money from the ID developers at the time, right? <laughs> and she built a, a, a and, and she built Affectiva. We, we can have those, right? Bridging the, crossing the pond, right? As I say, to America, or actually now, if you're in the semiconductor business going to eastwards, is something that we, as Sawari Ventures, are, are putting into our platform to be able to help companies do and, and, and there is a good pipeline for that. I mean, so yeah. if, uh, if, I, if, I, you know, if I want to look for those in Egypt, if I look for them purposefully, I'm going to find them. Uh, uh, absolutely, you, will, you will absolutely find them. You will, and the biggest risk is to, is to fund them quickly. Because like anything, like if you're dealing in pure technologies, you have a window of opportunity to commercialize certain things before somebody else comes into it or before, the, before things change. So the ability to do that quickly uh, and, and here the depth of follow-on funding is less than, than uh, you know, it's a subset of the available capital. Uh, so, you know, if you're a fintech company, you'll find easier access to capital than if you are what, I, what you would call deep tech. But we're very interested in that. It's part of my psyche. You forget that uh, uh, Elfie is a, is a closet uh, techie. Nerd and well, of course, is uh, you know started uh, uh, IT work. So we we love our technology, and a big part of our fund will be there. Wonderful. And obviously, these companies will be easier to source in places where a large population, large engineering uh, pool is available, versus one that uh, doesn't have that such a large pool. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I must say, you know, and uh, it's something that I'm, you know, uh, really enjoying, uh, you know, uh, personally and uh, also, you know, basically as a way of understanding uh, the deal flow that's happening, you know, in the last uh, two years or so, I've reconnected and now I attend every Flat 6 demo day, every uh, Cairo Angels, uh, you know, bi-monthly meeting, uh, every AUC Angels and AUC, you know, FinTech Demo Day and Men Demo Day and uh, most recently Alex Angels and uh, it's, it's fascinating, it's wonderful and some of those, you know, global companies are coming through the pipelines for those companies. So, uh, you know, I must say that, um, you know, I... I share very much with you the bullish view about uh, startups and uh, building, you know, successful global and regional technology companies in Egypt. And I think, you know, you and, uh, and Ahmad and Wael and the team are, are doing an amazing job, you know, 
Uh, Hani, it's been it's been such a, a pleasure, you know, talking to you again. And you know, we must make this, you know, an annual ritual because there is so much to catch on. So you know, if if not if not before, with everything that's that's happening in Cairo, and you know, get that website up and running as soon as possible so that people get to know more about about Sawari Ventures. All right, <laughs> you, you couldn't resist as a lot. Uh, th- th- think of it as 10 years in stealth mode, but it'll be up and running <laughs> soon. But uh, 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 on the last, on the last, uh, on the last note, right? Uh, and I'm not saying this because this is my home country or this is my hometown, right? Uh, it's historically, it's historically any investor who comes to Egypt and. Uh, actually does it properly, does the commitment of time, effort, has made an outsized return uh, across the board on an equity basis. You name it. Uh, you can look at all the, the you look at all the Gulf-based uh, 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 family officers or the ones who made an investment, who hired the right people, who did things the right way, the proper way with the long-term view, they've all made a lot of money. And they've all had unbelievable impact. So it's a it's it's a country and an ecosystem that is thriving, right? That is set for explosive. You know, I you know we, our favorite term was inflection point at the time. <laughs> right? Yes. In 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 terms of and, and that became pivot. So think of it this way: this is at the inflection point for venture-backed investments in Egypt because everything is at, is at the right mix, the right entrepreneurs, the right, uh, the right macro environment, the right, uh, the right con- you know, level of consciousness, the valuations aren't, uh, aren't, uh, aren't obscene, right? Uh, so everything is, is just re- ready for it to, to exponentially grow. And uh, where I'm, as I said, you know, this is what we've spent 20 years to get to, the starting place. And, uh, you know, we're planning for the next 20 years. And, oh, absolutely. and, and that will be it. And then we can retire and then, and then we can write our memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, my friend. Uh, Hani, thank you so much and, uh, you know, give our best regards to all of our friends in Cairo and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see you in person very soon. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good luck, Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.